0: sometimes the planets align and a place is ready and certainly sydney was hungry for what we had to offer and it was all manifest in this one magical day and word spread
1: hello and welcome to solving for x this is the series where we talk about organizing tedx events i'm your host jay harati and in each episode, we explore the stories and experiences of TEDx organizers or TED staff. Today, we'll be speaking with Remo Geoffrey. He's the organizer of TEDx Sydney in Australia. Remo is going to talk to us about his journey and strategy of scaling TEDx Sydney. You see, behind every TEDx event, there is a story of reinvention and evolution. And Remo does a great job of sharing that story with us. So let's dive right in. Remo, welcome to Solving for X. So happy to be here, Jay. So you and I don't see each other that often, but we just saw each other a week ago.
0: Yes, on the other side <laughs> of the North American <laughs> exactly, continent.
1: Exactly, exactly. So we just met up uh, at TED 2019 about a week ago. Here you are passing through New York. Mm-hmm. So it's wonderful to see you here because normally you are so, so far.
0: I know. Um, and I normally don't see you at that conference because you normally have your hands full. That's right. At another at TED event. West. So but I
1: consider this a bonus twice in, mm-hmm. one, in one week or so. For those who are listening who have never been to Sydney, tell us a little bit about you know the city in your own words um just paint the picture i mean mm-hmm. I, I could i could describe sydney to people but you do a much better job of that
0: sydney is a it's a very photogenic city there's a lot of water involved in the rivalry between sydney and melbourne there is like this the going wisdom is that because melbourne doesn't have this physical beauty it's more interior it's more intellectual it's more intelligent it's mm. more cultured mm. uh and that sydney is this kind of brazen lazy brash bold thing that doesn't need to work too hard and isn't all that interested in ideas which was kind of funny because you know that that's what we ended up carving out a little bit of a niche in the idea space with uh, tedx sydney when that started uh, 10 years ago and we didn't find any absence of curiosity or hunger for the programming
1: hmm. What does TEDx stand for in that city? Um, is, is that is that kind of what it's We're about? we pretty high.
0: We had a pretty high awareness. Actually, I think talking to other organizers around the world who are um, having more of a challenge um, to overcome that initial "What is TED? What is TEDx?" Um, I know, I know this for a fact because f- for years before I got involved with TEDx, I was the TED t-shirt guy. And so I would provide T-shirts for the attendees of the annual TED conference. And in the early days, they didn't know what they were, what TED was. But then I noticed one year that all of these art students, um, casual working um, warehouse staff knew TED. So I think when TEDx TEDxSydney um, started, uh, it was reasonably well known by the cognacenti and by about a year year after that, I think there were a lot more people who were aware of what was going on with that brand.
1: So what was your goal? Why did you decide to start a TEDx event in Sydney? Um, you guys asked me to, actually, <laughs> but that <laughs> that's the case. We, we ask you, I'm sure, many things, but you only do the things you want to do. Why did you want to do it? Uh, oh, well, let's say, why did you say yes?
0: Why did I say yes? I didn't say yes immediately, by the way. It took me um, a few tortured uh, nights of thinking about pros and cons but I was turning 50 at the time and I do remember thinking hmm maybe this is a good new trick for this old dog to learn um because the I'd come from the world of things selling things and I I could just feel that the future of selling things was if not over going to be over because everybody in the developing world or developed world kind of had everything that they needed. Oh, interesting. And so um, how does the t-shirt guy become the ideas guy and maybe this conference or this event and this platform can help not just create this new thing that Australia is hungry for and the Pacific is hungry for, but also
1: it can also help personally rebrand. Interesting. Yours truly. So you've evolved, and now what's your community like? So people have been coming to your event for ten years, uh, in the thousands. I think you were about two thousand people, and then the opera house, and now closer to five. What's your community like? Uh, who comes? Why do they come? Who are you? How has it evolved? It's evolved
0: actually. In the early days, we, we were in a seven hundred seat venue called Carriage Works. It was a very grassrootsy, cool cultural hub that had been an old building where they would build the railway carriages. So huge, gorgeous industrial spaces, but not well known and not with its own brand reputation. Mm -hmm. So there was an opportunity even from the get-go to launch this event at the Sydney Opera House, but that brand is so big and so established that I just took the view that that was not going to be the best place to um, establish the um, personality of the TEDx Sydney brand and that we would be better off in something more black box and plain vanilla. So it was a frontier feeling place at a slightly edgy part of town, but we had a pilgrimage to our event by very inventive uh, and creative cohort. So the texture of the event in those days was very artisanal and yet brave and contemporary at the same time. There are those that went to the event in the, in those days who hearken back to
1: hmm. it
0: with nos- nostalgia and don't see the same spirit. I, I would argue with them that, that the same spirit is there. It's just manifest at a much larger scale. The Sydney Opera House was when Sydney got real glamorous um, by virtue of its new shiny incredible home i mean the opera house is not just an architectural icon it really became a symbol of the new australia you know it was it was the watershed moment that made the country confident in its own creative spirit and less reliant on the colonial mm. anglo-saxon past and and it gave the citizenry a confidence that they didn't have before and so so we're inside this hugely symbolic uh, venue, with um, a very uh, congruent set of messaging, which is which is about taking risks and having integrity and being bold and um, being inventive.
1: And so it's interesting as you're describing it; it's almost you are you are a branding person yourself, yes, or certainly yeah. it's almost like you had a vision for your event, but you thought about it all the components from the venue to the curation with kind of like a very branding oriented lens. Mm. And it sounds like the the event evolved with that.
0: Correct. And every organizer has a different... um, But for me, the actual curation of the speakers was not something that I felt I needed to do because Mm. my interest was in the organizational whole, the branded whole, the building of the community, and the creation of the platform at a macro level but whether or not it was that mushroom scientist or that astrobiologist I was relatively indifferent and so my curatorial act was to curate the curator and it's continued thus so
1: so you kind of see this journey into the opera house linking yourself to the narrative of that structure it's around Australia and it's Creativity and its future. Mm-hmm. Um, how does the community then evolve in that in that room? We were what?
0: still curating the audience because we still had demand, which was far in excess of our capacity to accommodate at Carriage Works. So, so, we had like three thousand applications for seven hundred seats, uh, and then at the Opera House, maybe that was um, you know maybe it was two to one. So we're still still curating, and it's actually a heavy organizational overhead to curate those people and to try to do it fairly and in a non-biased way. There, I mean, there were years where we, uh, we developed a ranking system and we did it blind. We didn't have the photographs. We didn't know the sex. It was like we were trying to impose all of this, right. uh, this objectivity. And what, is,
1: what was your criteria? So taking out demographics. <coughs> um,
0: well, they, we, we wanted to have a sense that they really wanted to be at the event. So passion and engagement.
1: How did you get started with setting up such high demand so you know you not long before people were working in your t-shirt business not mm. knowing what yeah. TED Talks was and all of a sudden you get 3,000 applications for a 700 people event what's what branding magic did you do? Well, we
0: had there? some very um, fortuitous and strategic media partnerships early on uh, one with the national broadcaster AB, the ABC and also with the Sydney Morning Herald but I'm not sure that that was actually the primary uh, reason for the momentum. I think that sometimes um sometimes the planets align and a place is ready for something like that and certainly Sydney in 2010/11 was hungry um for what we had to offer. And we you know, we worked really hard and we um, didn't leave any stone unturned, and we had remarkable animators and filmmakers and um, people doing um, really good work. Uh, and it was all manifest in this one magical day uh, at Carriage Works. And word spread, and word spread. Um, so I think it was word of mouth, probably, that led to the you know the big swelling of demand in years two and three.
1: Hmm. So now you are at the opera house, and you're having like about two times demand. I remember when you started talking about moving to your n- current venue, mm. which is more than double in size. I know you were really nervous about it; it was a big, a big move. Can you talk about what was behind it and, and where yeah, yeah. you ended up now?
0: Well, there were a few drivers. One, um, we had a bit of an existential crisis because we lost the ABC. As um, our broadcast partner, which meant that that amazing high definition outside broadcast van that they would park in the um, cleavage of the opera house—that's what they call Live. where the where the two uh, shells come—and the the twelve to fifteen cameras that they would deploy throughout the venue, and the cabling and the wiring, all of that, w- which we used to get for nothing from the ABC, all of a sudden one year we had to pay Mm. for ourselves Mm. and um, so that you know that added six figures to the to the uh, to the budget Um, so we needed to increase revenue to compensate for that and the only way we could do that was through increased partnerships cash and the following year we you know we lost a, a partner at the 11th hour we just we were just realizing that in terms of sustainability of the event it was becoming very fragile and very skewed toward reliance on what we felt was a perilous factor and that is the the propensity for a big partner to say yes to something and not say no at the 11th hour because someone's moved on mm-hmm. to another job or you've lost your champion there internally so we thought no we, we have to change it change the revenue mix from 65% partnerships, cash, and 35% membership revenue to something different to that. And the only way to do that was to move to a larger venue so we could fit more people in at the regular rate. And there weren't a lot of venues around. Um, we actually went back to Carriage Works for a while and had a look at this very large warehouse space that they had. Um, and then decided ultimately that we wouldn't proceed. Meanwhile, in the background, we were aware of the um, ICC, Sydney, the new International Convention Centre and their plans. We were aware because somewhat cheekily um, in their um, marketing materials and build-up, they had a computer-generated fly-through which featured a hypothetical TEDx Sydney conference happening uh, at their venue. Uh, I mean, it didn't bother me at the time but I thought Mm. it was amusing because then when we finally came around to looking at uh, that venue and we're getting close to the time where we were thinking what are we going to do by the time we looked at it we we thought you know we could probably do this it's going to be very scary Uh, and we spoke about that time Mm. but we you know maybe it's time to make make that jump Mm. and see how close to that 5,000 we can get. And we got pretty close in that first year. I think we got to 4,800. So,
1: You looked at the venue as kind of a, a way to achieve two things. It was the, uh, the unfolding of your story as your narrative, moving mm-hmm. from kind of like uh, the hipster mm-hmm. of the beaten path neighborhood and getting to like an iconic building and now to a major... Uh,
0: and and look, In some ways, back to, back to Black Box, back to b- Vanilla... Now we had a brand.:
1: Right, and you, it had its character. It had its personality. It didn't need another powerful
0: brand. So we, we, we were ready to, to, to fill it graduate. up with,
1: fill it up with that story, but also <coughs> in many ways, it followed your strategy for sustainability from ticket sales, right? Because yes. going from 700 to 2,000 to 5,000 in ticket mm. sales really dramatically changed it. Out of curiosity, in your last event, what percent of your revenues came from ticket sales?
0: 65, so we flipped it. So you
1: flipped it, okay. So it (coughs) used to be 35 and you made it. And a
0: softening of the uh, partnerships um, cash. And we're not exactly sure whether or not that was um, a function of the the economic cycle or whether there is something about the opera house that adds an X factor um, when talking to corporate partners. Mm. It's actually paradoxical because the number of people that, more that the partners reach yeah, now you have more is, sell. like, significantly more. But uh, the
1: venue looks beautiful, I have to say, just looking at the photos, you filled it up beautifully.
0: It's a very high-quality venue. It's hugely in demand. They don't need us. That also made the negotiation a little bit tougher. Right. You, they had, didn't you, had, you that, had to make a commitment. But we were able to negotiate um, something friendlier than the rack rate, but still... Um, Still, four to five times what we were paying at the Sydney Opera
1: House. Hmm. Well, I'm glad it seems to have worked out. Um, tell us about the room now. What's it? So you, we, you've mentioned earlier that in your first venue, it was the creative kind of, uh, you know, in-the-know hipsters almost, I think, as you described it. Now the room is significantly bigger. Who is the TEDx community in Sydney? So now...
0: We don't curate the audience because it's hard enough to fill a room of 5,000 people. (laughs) Um, So now I'm, you know, daily tracked to see who's registering and there are individuals, but now we allow people to buy multiple tickets under the single registration. So we've got couples coming. But maybe the most significant and interesting thing are we getting corporates sending six people, 10 people, 12 people from the Department of Health um Eight people from you know Vodafone, three people from you know, so I think what's happened is that um and it's not completely accidental because we were aware that this was you know a legit a legitimate uh, marketing strategy for us. We're getting um, small medium sized large businesses looking at this as a reward for their employees as um, the one day of the year where no one's talking about targets and budgets and everyone's just being immersed in the culture of the city and um, being exposed to disparate dots that they'll later connect, which will, you know, benefit them. We have an internal debate about this because there there are still those that uh, are nostalgic for the days when everybody you stood next to in the coffee line mm-hmm. was doing something like fascinating, mm-hmm. idiosyncratic and, you know, world-beating. Yeah. Whereas these days, you're just as likely to be chatting to a, an accounting student from Western Sydney,
1: and you know one one of the things that I find fascinating when I visit TEDx events and I run into an accounting student from mm. another part of town, I always find it amazing the mixture of people that come to TEDx events, and the th- one thing that connects them is that they love to hear about ideas. Mm. Right, it's about yeah. this curiosity and about possibility and potential, and that's a beautiful connector. It's much more interesting than a really homogeneous audience. Yeah, and by by the way, um, you as you describe how your audience, some of them who've been there at the early days, they miss the good old days. We also see that at TED in every one of our conferences. You've just been a TED with me. And I'm in, and that, I'm in you, that group. You're in that <laughs> I'm in that group. Because they you were like a long-time uh, TED, so yeah. you probably like, I remember Monterey back oh, in yeah. the days. We Where are the kids? teddy bears? Why can't we have the teddy bears <laughs> exactly. anymore? And yet you keep coming back to complain every year because <laughs> people are attached to it, but yet they remember it as being yeah. something else.
0: I think things change and move on. I mean, the, 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 um, the tantalizing issue facing us and me and us as a leadership team at the moment is like what does the next iteration of TEDx Sydney look like is it the same as what it is now but just a bit bigger or not bigger or better or slicker or is there a completely different version um is there is there a model where we're less focused and reliant on this like singular flagship monolithic event and it's it's more about know monthly salons or smaller Mm. events
1: it sounds like you've continuously evolved during the first 10 years and you're always thinking about how to evolve next but you've built um, quite a large organization to support this kind of infrastructure and I'm gonna ask you about your team in just a minute but before that I want you to explain with without too much humility so people can understand the scale and scope of Mm TEDx Sydney Take us to your last event. I want I want you to just describe all the things that are happening.
0: So there's um, there was five thousand three hundred people in the room, but but there are subsets within subsets. There's there's partners and there's donors and there's VIPs and there's um, speakers and there's speaker guests. So there's many many different colors of lanyard, and each one <laughs> of them gets
1: a little bit of a different experience. Total,
0: totally, um, there's you know eighteen speakers, seven performers. Um, six original films, so those films have been made specifically for, for TEDx Sydney. There's probably on event day, there was the, the core team of what by now had swollen back to, you know, maybe 120, and maybe there was another 100 on top of that of peripheral, you know, team. Um, not to, you know, and then on top of that, to, to 200 event day volunteers. And there may be another five hundred people who are associated with one partner or another. So there's, there's probably a thousand people working on the day to deliver delight to the five thousand people sitting in the seats. And the um, the complexity of the breakouts far exceeds the complexity of what goes on in Despite the. Describe
1: the breakouts. What's what's on offer outside the auditorium?
0: So there's um, in order to feed and water five or six thousand people there actually is physically not enough room in the foyers and lobbies of the of the theater so we had to in parallel um, rent exhibition halls in the same uh, complex and the exhibition halls are those things that you know huge conferences use or the boat show or or whatever so two of these halls together is ten thousand square meters it's like being in like the biggest car park you've ever been in um with huge vaulted vaulted ceilings and and so that space becomes filled with uh, what, we, what we call tribes or tribal activations. So we have our own um, editorial activations, which are then interspersed with um, tribes slash activations that are underwritten by the partners who are associating with that particular um, subgroup of attendee. So the independent thinkers... Uh, Tribe was underwritten by the Sydney Morning Herald in in that year. The Logitech uh, was there doing something one year. So you, and these you've got breakouts
1: are conversations, or conversations and food, or conversations with speakers. You know,
0: it's like silent disco. It's uh, lectures with right. it, it's. Everyone's got the kind of the headphones on. There's like you you look around the room. There's like thirty people over there listening to someone say something, and they're wearing their own headphones. And over there they're doing a yoga class. And over there they're doing. A demonstration and over there and so this is all going on simultaneously in the breaks with a food layer and uh, that's a lot of people in the one room who have to get in and yes. out and
1: back to their seats massive operation mm. hundreds of people working for you mm-hmm. thousands of people overall um, and yet you every time I see you you are the type of leader that I know there's a lot of stress but somehow you have enough time to think, to reinvent, to create. You have a beautiful book you brought here of your ten year anniversary. what's your what's your style in management?
0: Early on, um, <clears throat> and I wrote about this in a, in a as a chapter in a book that I wrote that the I learned that that my attention to detail was killing me, and that I needed to cherry pick the things that I cared about. And let go of the things Mm. that I would be comfortable at an 80% level, basically. So that involved radical delegation and trust and um, focusing on just finding people who I got a gut sense were also driven by this mantra that good work is its own reward. So Mm. if good work is its own reward and you find people who believe that, Then you know that you're you're going to be okay. Um, Does that mean that I don't get annoyed by some of the grammar and some of the (laughs) stuff that goes out from time to time, or I would have phrased things a little bit differently, or I would have? No, it doesn't mean that. But uh, But you
1: know the trade-off because while it's hard to not micromanage, it's also hard to micromanage, right?
0: There are a couple of things like that book you referred to. I tried to wrap my head around delegation on that and I, I ultimately I said to my wife I said you know what I don't think I can ask anyone else to look at those 20,000 pictures I think it's going to be me so I was sitting on our at our river shack you know for a whole weekend or two doing nothing but clicking the forward arrow on a on flicker albums uh to say you know that one not that one because I just didn't No one else had experienced the 10-year arc, and so Mm. no one had the full context. Mm. uh, And so that was something not to be delegated. Mm. But you know what? I also thought from a business point of view, in terms of scaling um, and leverage, it was a very good investment of my time because now I have a 200-page document that will be the best possible onboarding tool, the best possible partnership development tool, the best possible speaker enticement tool. Beautiful. Yeah.
1: Is there a, v- a digital version of that book that uh, we can share online? Yeah,
0: I'll, I'll be able to share the Dropbox link of the PDF. Right,
1: so maybe we will upload that to the TEDx hub. That's a very good idea. And yeah. then we can search it under TEDx Sydney and, um, and find the 10-year anniversary picture book, which is what I just named it. <laughs> People And, will I I, and by the name. way,
0: I welcome... <laughs> every organizer to just copy it and uh, uh, the format is there for you, for them to um, be inspired by and uh, replicate because it's really just, it's very simple.
1: Thank you for offering that uh, and, and that's a perfect segue to the last question I'm going to ask you. You have inspired many of us here at TED and or many TEDxers around the world with the beautiful event that you've slowly and carefully built over time. I also know that you've been supportive and uh, and partnering with the TEDx community in Australia. And uh, tell us a little bit of what's happening outside of TEDx Sydney. Like, how is the community in in Australia? How has it changed? You were one of the first. Your event your event took place at the time when we were actually going out and asking people to organize. (laughs) We haven't done that for a really long time. Um, What's it like now?
0: There's a great spirit. Some turnover, but In just about all cases, I think the baton has been passed to a safe pair of hands. Um, Members of my team go to some of the other events Mm -hmm. to support and and be inspired. And we have um, an open invitation to – we kind of get just so busy with our event that the idea of running a workshop or something in parallel to the event is just head hurting. So what we do instead is design a parallel experience for TEDx organizers throughout the region and in fact throughout the world an open invitation to come enjoy a reduced price on the on the ticketing of course um, but um, come to the launch party sit in on this rehearsal get taken backstage on this um, journey um, sit down with the curators and do a QA and this is all while rehearsals are going mm, that's on so good. you get this you get the sense that You're in the belly of the beast at that point, and I know we've had
1: wonderful feedback. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, thank you, Remo. That was uh, wonderful to hear. Thank you so much for coming and joining us at uh, Solving for X.
0: We've got to get photographs of this.
1: Sorry. We're gonna get you want oh you want oh you want to take a picture for social media yeah that, of course that's, gonna, why gonna, say, that's why you're such so, a good marketer that's why you're such a good marketer I'll tell social
0: I'll tell social they'll come yeah, in but exactly.
1: I said here just use my phone he said no 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 we'll do it professionally I thought you said I'll get the I thought you said that your reward was job well done but apparently <laughs> it's also a bit of social media. We hope you enjoyed listening to this conversation with Remo. Every organizer's story is different, and we'd love to hear about your team's journey as well. Think about sharing your experience as an insight on the TEDx Hub. We hope you'll join us again soon for another episode, and thank you for listening to Solving for X.